And we are live. Welcome back to another action-packed edition of the Another 71 podcast. As always, I'm your humble host, Jeff Elliott, a licensed CPA in the state of Kansas, by the grace of God and the chagrin of many. Happy Wednesday to you. Today is Wednesday, August, almost said April, August 11th, 2021. This is Another 71 podcast number 94. And if you are listening live and you want to... Um, Ask me a question, hit me up in the chat or raise your hand. Having some issues with my uh, AirPod Pro. It keeps keeps working out of my ear as I speak. <laughs> the show must go on. All right. So again, if you have a question for the podcast, let me know. All right, starting things off, the CPA exam pass rates for Q2 2021 are in the books. And some interesting things. So first of all, nothing crazy happened. Um, just here's the pass rates from top to bottom. BEC, 63%. Regulation, 59%. Auditing, 50%. FAR is 43%. And if you haven't looked at the pass rates, you can go to another71.com. And we, we've been tracking the CPA exam pass rates for the last 15, 16 years. And so here's the deal. This is again for Q2 2021. Um, so BEC is up versus a typical Q2 FAR, on the other hand, is down and versus prior years. Auditing had the lowest Q2 of um, since, since 2016. So it was strong for the last five years. It's, is low this time. And, um, and then regulation had us also had a strong showing for, um, relative to prior years. So here are my takeaways. And I actually wrote all this out. So I'm just going to read what I wrote. So short term Q2 scores are typically lower due to tax season, but FAR and auditing were lower than usual than a typical Q2. It would be easy to attribute this to the forthcoming July, this is obviously back in Q2, July 2021 CPA exam changes with people shuffling to take things, to take exams like auditing and BEC. And then uh, because people, it was recommended to take FAR and regulation after July because of the content that was dropped out of those exams like IFRS, discontinued operations, pension, the state tax, AMT. But if this were true, then BEC and auditing would both be down, but only auditing dropped, whereas BEC climbed. In the end, it's probably a weird mix of tax season, random luck, CP exam changes, and good old fashioned, who knows? So again, Q2 2021 CP exam, pass rates are out, nothing too crazy. If you go on the on another 71 and look at, at BEC, I mean, Q2 was for BEC was 63%. I mean, 10 years ago, BEC was, uh, Q2 was 46%. So <laughs> uh, BEC has, has spiked since then. So anyway, that's the CPA exam pass rates. Starting things out with Denise. Hey Jeff, I'm beginning my CPA exam preparation. How many weeks should I plan for each test? So I actually get this question a lot. And 
I answer it in ranges. So far and regulation, I would take, um, I think seven weeks is the sweet spot, but between six and eight weeks, never more than eight weeks. And for, for auditing and um, BEC, eh, five-ish weeks. For ninjas, we have the four week and the seven week ninja study planner. And so four weeks, if you're like under the gun cramming and seven weeks, well, seven weeks is, is perfect for regulation and, be, and FAR and um, auditing and BEC, seven weeks is, is more than enough. So um, again, never more than eight weeks for any exam ever, ever, ever. If you have someone, some expert out there telling you to study more than eight weeks, they're 100% wrong. You can, <laughs> you can have them email me and I'll explain why, but I'll tell you why. Uh, when you're studying for the CP exam, you're not, be, you're not going to become an expert on CP exam topics. You are, you are studying the information to become competent enough to score a 75 on your respective CPA exam section. And what does passing the CPA exam mean? It means that, um, so you pass the exam, get your initial license. It means that you meet the minimum requirements to, to protect the, the public interest. It doesn't mean that you're an expert. Um, you can then go on and become an expert in estate tax or, or auditing or governmental accounting, et cetera. But, um, you're not going, you're not going to become an expert on the content anyway. And the more, the more time that you spend beyond eight weeks, you get diminishing returns on your time. I get emails, Jeff, I passed, or I studied for three months and I scored a 63 this time last, which is 10 points lower than last time. And I'm, you know, I think I'm stupid. Well, you're not stupid. You just, you studied for too long because, um, the further and further that you get away from week one, week two, week three, the less and less you are going to remember that information. And so um, that's why you want to cram all the info into your head, roll into a Prometric, barf it out, and then leave. And you know, if you if your desire is to open up your own CPA firm, do tax prep and do a state plan a state tax planning um you're you're likely never going to touch governmental auditing or government governmental accounting again unless you like take on um some client um you know that has their books according to gasby now if you do take on that client then you have to be obviously competent so then you'll have to become an, pretty much an expert and governmental accounting. So you go back and study it. But for purposes of the CPA exam, um, you just need, you need to know enough about governmental accounting to be dangerous to go in there and barf it out on, on exam day. So that's how many weeks you should spend on your CPA exam preparation. Going to the chat. I invited some ninjas online. You can raise your hand if you want to, uh, if you want to be live, you, you will not be on camera. So you don't have to, uh, you can just, it'll be audio only. Uh, S. Berry, 
well, I'm assuming this, I'm assuming I can read this out loud. Hey, Jeff, um, I failed reg with the 70 in June, supplementing with Ninja CPA for my second go at tomorrow morning with the 2021 changes. What can I expect with regards to question wording? What tell me to use 2021 values or provide them? What in the question should, should testers be looking for to help indicate what rules they should be defaulting to? No, I don't think it'll tell you 2021 or, or anything. I think it'll, I think, um, it'll just give you the number that you need. So like for instance, section 179 is indexed for inflation. So the question is, what does the ASCPA test for section 179? And I asked them about this and uh, like, do they, do they memorize the, uh, the base number of, of 1 million, two and a half million, or do they memorize the inflation adjusted numbers? Because there's a big difference. And what the AICPA exam team told me is that um, the candidates will have enough, will have the info required to answer the question. So that tells me that they're going to give you the number. Um, just in general, it's it's good to. Um, so for instance, um, I scored a 92 on regulation, memorizing walking into my exam, having the section one, the section 179 number memorized. And, and I think um, the medical deduction memorized or percentage memorized. And um, I don't mean that as a humble brag, you can go on another 71, look at my scores um, from back in the day when I wasn't very serious. But um, I say that to say, I didn't memorize any thresholds or phase outs other than 179 and I scored a 92. Tax is also my best subject. So I hope that's helpful. I don't, I don't think you're going to need to like memorize any 2021 specific um, numbers. It's just, well, you are going to have to know the 2021 numbers, but that's just what the, there, there are no other numbers to memorize. It's just 2021 tax law adjusted back to TCJA. So the CARES Act, right now is in effect for tax purposes, like, like real life, but for CPA exam purposes, it's not testable. And, and so like the, the net operating loss rules, it's back to that 80% threshold. So that's the difference between real life and CPA exam life. But all that to say, I wouldn't worry about it. Regulation is more conceptual than people realize. It's because the AICPA can't go in and change their database for just every whim of Congress. And so I wouldn't worry about it. Nicole in the chat says, how long do you recommend studying for a retake? Just found out I failed auditing with a 64. Um, so I recommend studying for a retake the same as if you were studying for the first time. And the reason for that is people oftentimes go in and they'll fail and then they'll think, okay, I'm just a cram away. I'm just a few points away. And then what will happen is oftentimes they will score, score lower than they did before. And then they think they're stupid and, and, and everything's um, uh, terrible and the CPA exam isn't for them. And that's just not the case. So for auditing, I would, I would study for five weeks. And between five and seven weeks, the Ninja Study Planner 
is four weeks and seven weeks. So I would just study for um, seven weeks for auditing. So um, do not cut corners on your retake. And because when you took the exam, you were, you were exam ready. Like, so for those topics that you scored well in, you were exam ready on that day. You're not exam ready now. You need to go back and restudy those sections. And then um, the areas that you are weak in, you need to strengthen those. All right, follow-up. Um, I know there's controversy about the business meal expense. It was historically 50% deductible. And now it's 100% deductible for meals from restaurants. Does this change your answer? Does 100%, was 100% in the CARES Act? I can't remember, but historically it's 50% and it's, it's back to 50%. So I don't remember if the, if the CARES Act was, was the 100% deal, but um, it's, it's back to what it was prior to the CARES Act, which is 50%. Alexandra says, taking FAR this Friday, any suggestions on how to spend today and tomorrow? Yay. Big day for you tomorrow. Um, wait, no, two days. Okay, so you are two days out. You're in this chat because you're a ninja, so you have the ninja notes. I would, I would read the ninja notes um, at least one more time today, twice on Thursday, and when you wake up in the morning, once again on Friday. And if you can't on Friday at least read through like your three weakest sections. Now, today and tomorrow and even Friday morning, I was always a big proponent of studying right up to the moment of your exam. And that's why I liked the 1 p.m. testing time because I like to get up at six and get the coffee going and, um, and then study and then just cram. <laughs> it was an awful day, but that's just, that's how I did my exam days. So for the rest of the day, today, Thursday, and then Friday morning, start with your weakest topic first in the MCQ. So from here on out, it's just Ninja Notes, Ninja MCQ. Then if you drive somewhere, Ninja Audio, you have to listen to me more. I'll start for you. Um, but it's just Ninja Notes and Ninja MCQ from here on out. Start with, with your weakest topic first. You're taking FAR. And so your weakest topic, governmental accounting, not-for-profit, pick one and do, do 20 questions over one of them. And if you score 50%, do another 20. Hopefully you score higher than 50%. But um, you keep doing these mini testlets of 20 questions until, um, until you're scoring in the 70s. And then, and then you move on to your next weakest. So you start with not-for-profit, then you're governmental. And then you do a set of 20, bang, you hit 70%, move on to your next weakest, which is leases or whatever. And then that's how you do that. You just keep cranking on, on MCQ, always in study mode, never in practice mode. I hate practice exams, waste of time, inefficient use of your time. And Ninja Notes all the way through. DRAZ says, how accurate is the Ninja trending score? I have not tracked it scientifically. So, um, which would mean 
taking people's training scores and then emailing them and asking them what their actual exam score was. So, uh, so anecdotally, just from reading responses, the training score typically seems to be uh, like within three to five points of, of their exam. And that's just, and that's just me reading some comments like, oh, the training score is pretty close. Like, I don't remember a time, at least recently, like, whoa, training score was 65 or training score was 95 and they scored a 65. I don't, I don't remember that because I would dig into that. Like, okay, what's the deal here? Um, so just anecdotally, most people say that it's fairly close. Back to the questions. I just resubscribed to Ninja after failing the FAR section for my fifth time with the 67. My other scores were 59, 68, 70. My primary course is Roger. Now here I am with my sixth attempt scheduled here in September. Three and a half weeks. I want to know if you had any tips to help because I'm almost on the verge of throwing in the towel and saying, I guess this isn't for me. And do you think I should reset my data in the MCQs for the dojo? Uh, yes, reset your data for sure, because you just need a clean slate. So far, 67, then dipped to 59, then up to 68, then up to 70. So as your four. So second time you scored eight points lower. My guess is that you crammed. That's usually the case. Um, and then you started. Oh, 67, 59, 68, 52, and then 70. So we're going up, down, up, down, up. <laughs> so, uh, so let's, let's hope that this goes up. So last time you scored 70, all right, three and a half weeks. Let's assume that you're starting from scratch, three and a half weeks, follow the Ninja Study Planner, four weeks out, you want to, so you have Roger, Roger plus Ninja, nail the videos, nail the concepts with your Roger videos, get through those maybe in a week. And a week and a half of Ninja MCQ, taking notes, taking notes of your Roger videos if you can, but the most important thing is to get through them in a week. The timeline and the, the time budget is more, is more important. A week and a half of Ninja MCQ, spend three days rewriting your notes, no more than three days, but really hit it hard. So, and then the remaining few days left to do your final review, which is hitting your weakest topics first in the MCQ, do 20 question mini testlets and work backwards. So, and you know what? If you score uh, south of 75 again, don't throw in the towel. There's no need to. Um, you can always retake it. You can always retake your exam. You can always adjust your study approach because eventually you will pass. I know, I know of someone, they were a member. To, they took 23 exam sections and did people make kind of nasty comments like in the chat or whatever? Like, yeah, are they, are they a licensed CPA today? Um, well, they passed the, the pass CPA exam. I don't, I don't know about their licensure, <laughs> um, but yeah, they passed the CPA exam. Does their performance on governmental accounting have anything to do with them being able 
to be an excellent tax preparer? No. So never throw in the towel. All right, back to the questions. Josh says, your regulations notes say net operating loss for 2018 and beyond are limited to 80% taxable income and carried forward indefinitely. I believe this is wrong. Um, because of the CARES Act, this changed to 2018 to 2020, have no limit on taxable income and carried back five and forward indefinitely. Then beginning in 2021, has the 80% limit and carried forward indefinitely. Am I correct? Uh, you are correct and I am correct. We're both correct. <laughs> All right. So you are correct for real life. 2021 tax prep, you are correct. 2021 CPA exam prep, I am correct. The reason for that is the AICPA told the exam providers that, and this is one of the benefits of being of using AICPA licensed materials like Ninja and several other courses is that um, we have a connection with the AICPA. And they said, hey guys, uh, we are not testing the CARES Act anymore. Um, so the CARES Act was tested September, 2020 through December, 2020. And then beginning July 1st, 2021, the CARES Act was no longer tested. It reverted back to TCJA law. I said, hey, this doesn't match the AICPA's policy on new pronouncements, which is um, a new, new tax law is in effect six months after the enactment date or the effective date, whichever is later. And so the CARES Act should be uh, testable through uh, July. And um, they just said, this is what we're doing. And the CARES Act is no longer testable. And I double and triple checked that because it's a big deal. Uh, it affects NOL, it affects um, the medical deduction, 10% versus 7.5%, the charitable contribution deduction, 25% versus 10%. So a lot of things, it, it impacts a lot of things. So um, you and I are both correct just for different reasons. All right, never done this before. Going to <laughs> Jacob on the phone. Hey, Jeff. Uh, so I found out yesterday, made a 70 on FAR. Um, I've passed BEC and audit. And this, uh, this is the first time, first time I've taken FAR. I can say failed it with a 70. Um, my 18 month clock runs out in April, but I'm 20% through the materials for reg. So I'm trying to decide, do I go back study for four or five more weeks on FAR to try to get those five extra points and then come back to reg once we've got through FAR or do I keep on plugging on reg? So 20% for reg means like, like I'm, you're a, you're, you're a week into it. Right. Yeah. I'm about 20% through the material. Well, I think for FAR, you were going to have to start from scratch anyway. Just as just as a as a general practice, starting from scratch, um, on a on a retake, and so it really comes down to which exam do you want to take next. Gotcha. So if you want to jump back into far, you're not that far. You're not that far into um, regulation. You can do it, but 
if it, if it were me, I would just take a break from far and I would, I would stick with reg. I mean, you're already a week into it. You're, you don't lose a week of study time and you're going to have to restudy for far anyway. Um, how, how are you feeling about that? Yeah, I was, I think mentally I was leaning towards going back on far just because, uh, you know, when I going through the questions, I performed pretty well. I, you know, I'm kind of feeling like it, it might've been more of just test day jitters, you know, maybe got tricked, you know, tricked on a few, but I don't know that mentally I'll be able to focus on reg with the fail of far hanging over my head is kind of what I'm worried about. Okay. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of see it going either way. So, and you know yourself better. So then in that case, I would jump back into far. I mean, you can, you can uh, justify either way. I mean, if you were four weeks into regulation, then I would say, I would say no. Um, but one week, I would just chalk it up to just getting a little bit familiar with the material and jump back into far. However, don't make the mistake of, I mean, if you're super strong in an area, then you can maybe hit it, hit it last. If you're super strong in inventory, then hit it last. But make sure that you recover everything um, thoroughly. Gotcha. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Jumping back to the questions, Priscilla says, I'm having trouble passing audit. I'm using Becker's, but it's so much material. I'm taking too long getting through the material. I forget the info that I learned in the earlier chapters. I need a plan. Can you help? Yeah, so this is why you only spend uh, between five, seven, yeah, between five and seven weeks on any exam uh, because it takes too long to get to the material. You start to forget things. Like you said, I forget the info I learned in the earlier chapters. And, uh, and then, so you, so that's your time budget, but then you also have um, a methodology that you need, which I recommend the Ninja Framework. I'm biased because I created it, but the, the Ninja Framework, and really all it is, is it's a way of maximizing your study efficiency. I think it's maximizing your study effectiveness too, but efficiency. So if you go video one question, set of questions or videos, chapter one, questions, chapter one, videos, chapter two, questions, chapter two, by week seven or eight, you're going to have to go back and redo those questions. Okay. Because you're, you're just going to forget them. So you nail the concepts, get through all the concepts, take notes. Then you do nonstop multiple choice questions, take notes. So you're done, you're done with the concepts, done with the notes. Then you take all those notes then you rewrite them, causes you to relearn the material. So you're learning the material twice, which I think is the effective, the more effective way of studying. And, um, and then, then you have your final review. That's when it all comes together, N-I-N-J-A, all comes together. And start with your weakest topic first and work backwards, working sets of 20 questions. So for auditing, you know, your week on audit sampling and then your week on internal control. You just hit your, you keep doing 20 question sets until, until you hit 70%, it's an arbitrary threshold, and then you move on. Hope that's helpful. Question, what is your best recommendation to study if I have around 20 days, review Ninja Notes and do two final exam rehearsals? 
Yeah. So go to another71.com and we have how it's how to pass any CPA exam section in 20 days. It's actually how I passed auditing in 20 days and the, the high level um, breakdown of it is you're essentially skipping the nail the concepts. So your nonstop MCQ becomes your nail the concepts. Ultimately, I mean, I think you can study for any exam section this way. I mean, you'll find a lot of people out there who um, say that they pass just by doing multiple choice questions. <clears throat> um, so nail the concepts via your MCQ and then take notes and then spend three days. So if you're doing a full seven week deal, then you would rewrite for a week, but under this condensed schedule, it's for three days. And, uh, and then do your final review. And then the question about, do you do practice exams or exam rehearsals? No, never, or <laughs> unless you really want to, but I, I hate practice exams. I don't think they're an efficient or an effective use of your time. I don't think that you, you spend four hours on it. I don't think you know any more than you did about yourself. Um, four hours later, other than, um, you know, you could have false encouragement. You score 90. Okay. Well, it's 90%. Great. Is that an, does that translate to a real CPA exam score? No. Um, it could, I mean, it's, you know, chances are you, you're, you're doing well, but a 70, you score a 55. Well, that could, um, that could cause you to be disheartened and, you know, you want to quit probably the most, the most important time during the entire exam prep is like that final week. So if you're just kind of moody and don't want to study because you scored so poorly on your practice exam, um, then you could just, you know, turn what was going to be a successful exam endeavor into a fail, um, unneeded and unnecessarily. So, um, huge fan of practice of, uh, study mode. So you do question one, select the answer, read the answer explanation. You get it correct, move on. You don't get it correct, figure out why. Write down the fact nugget and then move on to question two. Hope that's helpful. Harold writes in, I already started studying for FAR with another CPA review. I have access to the lectures, MCQ, simulations, et cetera. And I also received a book for the FAR section. I only purchased this section. My question is, does the Ninja review include a book? Does Ninja have to be used in combination with another review or can I use it with another course? Okay, so the question is, um, can you go Ninja only or do you need to supplement with Ninja? Most people use Ninja as a supplement because most people already have a review course by the time that they even hear of us. We don't market on campuses and we don't fly around the country going to all these uh, university meetings and taking your accounting professors out to dinner and um, picking up the bar tab, et cetera, um, so that they'll let us in their classroom. Because who pays for that? You do. So um, you can, most people use Ninja as a supplement. And so <clears throat> if you want to use Ninja as a supplement, you still use the Ninja framework and the other concepts with your main CPA review course, intense notes over your review course, nonstop MCQ over your review course, or if this is a retake, Ninja MCQ, then you just rewrite the notes that you've been taking 
and then it all comes together. This is when you definitely switch to Ninja MCQ and work your 20 question mini testlets, starting with your weakest topic first and moving backward all the time, reading your Ninja notes and your Ninja and listening, listening to your Ninja audio. And one of the, one of the best days of your life will be when you don't have to listen to me in your car anymore. So a little shout out to Snapple PhD. My wife got me hooked on it. Um, my other drink of choice, <laughs> Red Bull. Okay. Now back to Ninja only. If you are, if you don't want to use your main CP review course or it expired, then you can switch to Ninja only. Plenty of people do that. Essentially nail the concepts with your Ninja book and Ninja sparring, take intense notes over both. Ninja MCQ all the way, take notes of your Ninja MCQ. Just rewrite your notes. If you don't, if you didn't take good notes or if you just don't want to rewrite your own notes, then rewrite the Ninja notes, that's fine too. Then it all comes together, final review, uh, weakest topic, uh, starting with your weakest topic first and working backward and you'll be ready for exam day. So both paths are just fine. And so again, you can use Ninja as a supplement or um, Ninja only, either way. Okay, question in the chat. Jenny, do you have any tricks or suggestions on memorizing all of the formulas for BEC? When I took BEC, so I was, I was lazy and <laughs> I only studied one formula and it was how to, it was for inventory accounting, how to solve for cost of goods sold algebraically. And so I memorized one aspect of that formula and then I could solve for any variable algebraically. So there's that. Um, if it's in the Ninja notes, I would at least be able to solve algebraically or be reasonably competent on it. And um, Jenny, I don't know if you watched any of Ninja Mike's sparring videos over cost accounting and um, financial ma performance measures, et cetera, but I would, I would watch those as well. But the long and short of it is to definitely memorize um, cost of goods sold, how to um, solve for that algebraically. Don't know if that's helpful. Ashley says, is there any way to get the Ninja book or is it always online? Well, um, it's online in like a PDF embed, but you can always download it. And so then it's in Adobe or whatever, and you can print it out. So you have full printing rights. If you ever run into an issue, staples or Kinko's or whatever, um, you can always email me. I can send an email that says, hey, you have the rights to print it out. So I hope that's helpful. Abby says, if I'm testing after July, please tell me what are the applicable rates for regulation? Corporate charitable contribution is 10% or 25% and medical expenses 10% or 7.5%. Okay, so this is good because I get emails, um, Jeff, your materials are wrong and I'm starting to doubt why I even signed up for Ninja. Okay, if your review course is using the 10% number for uh, medical expenses for Schedule A, um, that is correct for real life. That is not correct for CPA exam purposes because the 10% medical expense number was for the CARES Act. 
Um, the ASCPA is not testing on the CARES Act, and they haven't since July, since uh, January 1st. So really, since January 1st, the regulation rules for like net operating loss, charitable contributions, medical expenses, it all reverted back to the pre-CARES Act, aka the TCJA rules. So um, as we stand right now, July 2000, this is August, <laughs> August 2021 through December 2021, and then I guess um, even through June of 2022, because the new tax laws won't be testable until June of 2022, it's going to test the seven and a half percent number. Charitable, corporate charitable contributions that was raised to 25% because of the CARES Act, but it's back to 10% uh, through TCJA. And so, and I have no problem answering that email as many times as it comes through, but hopefully answering the question helps at least raise the confidence in the materials because Ninja is 110% correct in this area. Not saying I don't ever make mistakes because I do, just ask my wife. But in this instance, uh, we are correct. The question on Reddit, Glass Nerd House, I'm planning, I'm planning out my last few weeks of work before FAR in mid-August and wondering which program to do the practice exams in, Roger or Ninja. With Roger, the Sims are all or nothing in grading. Is this how the practice exams are too? Is one practice exam enough or should I aim to do more than one? Finding four hours of, of uninterrupted time is really tricky, working 30 plus hours and two kids at home. So if one will suffice, I'd rather just hit the MCUs really hard instead. Thanks for the advice. Uh, as I said previously in other questions, I hate practice, practice exams, so I wouldn't do them. I would only do the questions in study mode. Um, it's just four hours. Spent, like, like, like you said, four hours is, it's hard to come by. Working full-time, two kids at home, et cetera. It's hard for me just to get a podcast without kids knocking on my window. <laughs> so I can't imagine trying to, uh, um, which it's already happened twice and I just ignore them and they look through the window and see that daddy's talking to someone on the, on the computer. <laughs> so yeah, um, whether you you, do the Roger questions or the Ninja MCQ questions for FAR, you can actually do both. I would just do them in study mode, hit the MCQ really hard, hope that's helpful. Back to the chat, Yvette says, I bought the surgeon course last year and I was afraid to take the test. I finally took it last June, so last year, got a 56, I have two kids, and a full-time job and a part-time remote two days per week. It's hard to keep up in the studying mode and I, and I rescheduled my retake for FAR on September 7th. I'm just starting to study. I don't know where to start. Everything seems difficult for me. So where we stand right now on August 11th. So your FAR exam is in less than a month. And full-time job, two kids, two days a week, you're either away or another part-time job. I'm not quite understanding that. You're busy. That's the long and short of it. You're busy. Okay. So my first question is, can you postpone FAR? Sometimes that's a good idea because it gives you more breathing room. 
sometimes that's a bad idea because you just you just kind of kick the can down the road and then you spend two weeks later being busy with life and procrastinating. So if you can reschedule your exam and you'll actually like put more study time in, then it's a good idea. If you're just going to procrastinate anyway, or just life doesn't allow you to, despite your best intentions, then stick with your exam date. Okay. So let's assume that you're going to stick with your exam date. Uh, you have the Ninja Study Planner of four weeks for far. So, and really all that means is you just have to take everything that you would study in seven weeks and condense it into four weeks. So in theory, you're studying, well, you should always study 20 hours a week anyway, but in theory, you're studying 25 week, hours a week. Now, if you can't get 25 hours a weekend, even during four, I mean, if you can get 80 hours in for far and it's just like an intense 80 hours, it's four weeks, you cram it all in, go barf it out on exam day. I'm okay with that. It's not ideal, but you know, that's just life and the CPA exam. So, um, so obviously follow the Ninja framework, you know, the concepts. Okay. You're, you're using Surgent and Ninja, I assume. So, um, nail the concepts and while I'm answering this, you're welcome to answer, but in the chat. So you know the concepts with your surgeon course, and this is a retake. So know the concepts in your surgeon course, take intense notes. This is a retake. So you switch from your ninja from your surgeon MTQ into ninja MTQ. And the reason why you switch is because if you've already seen the questions a bunch of times with another provider, it's a good idea to get just another look at things. And I think that's always helpful. People, you can you can start to memorize questions and kind of cheat. Um, so, so nail the concepts. Yeah. So both surgeon and Ninja, thank you for clarifying, uh, nail the concepts, surgeon, intense notes, surgeon, not have MCQ with your Ninja MCQ, take notes of your Ninja MCQ. Now this is like, so nail the concepts, nail the concepts with surgeon. This is like a week. That's it. And then you shut it off and you move into Ninja MCQ. It's 10 days. That's it. And then you need to start your final review. And so it's great if you can take notes of your, of your Ninja MCQ, but if you're like two days into your week and you know, you're still just taking too many notes, you've got to stop taking notes. Then you just need to go, 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 go. Um, or be more selective as you, how you take notes. Like you don't have to write one piece. You can kind of bullet point it a little bit more. That's what I would do. And then obviously, you can rewrite your notes if you have time. It's a luxury. It's effective, but it really is a luxury. No more than three days doing that. And then you start your final review. Weakest topic first. 20 question mini test lists and work backwards. So if that was, so Yvette, yeah, four weeks, you can do it. It's not going to be fun and life is going to get in the way. And you're just going to have to decide that when you're parenting, you're parenting, like, it's the same, th same thing for me with working. Like if I'm trying to answer emails or whatever during like family time, like it's easy to get annoyed at your kids. Like they're interrupting me. Well, actually you are interrupting them. <laughs> you are interrupting their time. And so, <clears throat> um, you know, maybe you cheat a little bit by putting it on puppy dog pals for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> knocking out some CQ. 
I don't know what your kids are into. We're into puppy dog pals. And well, we actually have the full, the full range. We have an 18 year old down to like a two month old. So we're into uh, all the, all the stuff that an 18 year old likes to all the stuff that a, that a three or four year old, like sometimes it's the same thing. Well, not, but the three and four year old, sometimes they'll agree on, uh, um, well, not puppy dog pals anymore, but, um, Oh, what's the show with the dogs and their cops um, on Nickelodeon? You all, you all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, anyway, or one of them's a cop. They rescue people. Anyway, going back to the questions, I don't know what to do anymore. Jeanette, Jeanette writes in, Paw Patrol. <laughs> Thank you. Paw Patrol. Yes. <laughs> Paw Patrol. Okay. <sighs> Jeanette writes in, I don't know what to do anymore. The CPA exam has been the only obstacle to my dreams and I keep failing over and over and over. I guess it's time to quit. Um, without knowing your circumstances, even without knowing your circumstances, I can tell you that it's not time to quit because if you are smart enough to become exam eligible, um, it means that you have the work ethic to obviously get your get your college degree, get your requisite hours to get the equivalent of an accounting degree, get your 150 hours and go through all the hoops of getting your NTS and getting NASBA approval, et cetera, et cetera. And so, um, so you, are, you have the work ethic to do it and you're smart enough to do it. The question is, and I don't know anything about your study plan. It's just a question that came in actually on, on, a, on YouTube. Um, so the question is, what do you do when you don't feel like you're smart enough to pass the CPA exam? And I'm not going to even mention Ninja. Well, I guess I just did, but um, I'm not going to turn this into how to pass with Ninja because that's not the point. Um, so the question is, how are you studying? Well, <laughs> first, are you studying? Are you studying 10 hours a week or are you studying 20 hours a week? If you're not studying 20 hours a week, you need to change that. How are you studying? Are you studying like the conventional way? And this is when I'll plug in the Ninja framework, at least you can use it with any course. Are you doing it the old, the old school way of just um, chapter one videos, chapter one questions, or are you more effectively and efficiently doing you know, the concepts, intense notes, nonstop MCQ, then you rewrite your notes, then you do your, uh, your questions in reverse order weakest to your, um, your strengths. So how are you studying your review course? Do you, is your course working for you? Meaning, I mean, I'm of the mindset that you can pass with any review course, but sometimes people just grow to hate their review course. I bet people just grow to hate me because they're just sick of listening to the Ninja Audio and they just like, eh. um, it's okay. I get sick of me too. So if you don't want to get up and study in the morning, then you should probably switch courses. Because if you're like, I just can't stand that instructor's mannerisms. I refuse to study anymore. Uh, is that a little petty? Yes. A little shallow? Yes. Is it reality? Could be. <laughs> you might just need to punt and get a different course. Um, and so are you studying? How are you studying? And then what are you studying with? Those are three questions to ask. Jeanette, 
I don't have a way to respond to you because I think you even deleted delete the question, but I just saw it in the notifications. That's a good question. Um, you can uh, directly email me and tell me more about your situation. Jeff at another71.com. Going back to the chat. I'm in the same boat as her, referring to Jeanette. I'm studying for regulation 58, 67, 71, 73. Don't like a quitter. Okay. So 71, 73, like, <laughs> you know what comes after 71 and 73, right? 75. Um, but that's only true if you don't fall into the trap. If you don't fall into the retake trap, it's a trap of like, hey, I scored a 73. I'm only two points away. No, you're not. You are 75 points away. And so um, do everything that you did to get that 73. Everything. Like just repeat what you did. And then you need to, so there's some sections that you're some topics that you're weaker on. So let's hit those extra hard. Uh, maybe last time you didn't rewrite the Ninja notes. So you're in the Ninja chat. So you you at least have access to the Ninja notes. <clears throat> um, so maybe last time you didn't rewrite the notes or you didn't rewrite the Ninja notes. So last time let's rewrite the Ninja notes and, or maybe you didn't follow the Ninja framework explicitly. This time let's do that. Last time you didn't watch any sparring lectures. So let's pick three topics and hit those really hard. And, but the most important thing is that you don't cut any corners and that you do exactly what you did to score the 73. And, and then, um, and then just do everything I just said. And I know that from experience, I scored. So you scored 71, 73 on regulation. I scored 74, 74 on regulation. And it cost me my bar credit. And so if you're going to lose an exam, FAR is the, the worst one to lose. So I went from being one point away from being a CPA to only having two passed. And I wanted to pout. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to throw a pity party. I wanted to blame the AICPA. I wanted to blame um, everyone except for myself. I got over it about, after about a week. And, uh, and so the long and short of it was I didn't want to study AMT. I hated AMT. <laughs> you kids these days have it so easy. No more AMT. When I saw that the AICPA got rid of AMT, I thought that is cool. <laughs> Way to go. Because number one, I don't have to like have it in the materials anymore. I just hate AMT. I just think it's a stupid concept anyway. It's, it's an anti-capitalistic comment and, or concept anyway. And I hate it. So anyway, soapbox over. Um, and then like-kind exchanges. Okay, like-kind exchanges. Sure, whatever. But like-kind exchanges when there's a liability swap. Ooh, uh, that's a little bit tougher. I didn't want to study it. And it cost me. And so 74, 74, then I got my butt in gear and I scored a 92. And um, not because I'm super smart. You can read my, my exam history and uh, you know that's not the case. But um, I, I did study more efficiently and effectively 
I had more discipline. And it just so happens that tax law, for some reason, tax law and auditing, it just clicks with my brain. Um, so um, that's why I passed auditing after two and a half weeks, just by cramming, not because <laughs> I procrastinated and I, I was under the gun. And then um, I made that big jump just because tax, again, clicks with my brain anyway. And um, business law, I, I don't know. I just kind of, I kind of like it weird. Uh, and then everything I just said with studying everything that I did to, to get to that 74 and then hitting my, the, the topics I just didn't want to study anymore. So you know which topics you need to hit really hard by, you know, picture yourself driving to the exam center and the ones that you're praying that they don't ask you about. Those are the topics that you need to hit really hard. If that's helpful. Jack writes in, I scored a 58 on FAR right before the exam changes. First time I have ever taken an exam using only Becker. What do I need to do to pass the next time? Well, so you have to decide if you want to just keep using only Becker or if you want to supplement with something. Obviously, uh, we're going to recommend Ninja. I'm 110% biased, but if you want to, you want to, um, you know, supplement with any other test bank, Glime test bank, Wiley test bank, Ninja MCQ, try them all, whatever you want to use. Um, or just go Becker only. That's You can choose that path as well. But um, you scored your 58. So the question is, um, where are you studying? So did you study five hours, 10 hours, 20 hours? How did you study? Did you study the old way of video, video chapter one, question chapter one, video chapter two, question chapter two, or did you use a ninja framework, which is, you know, the concepts, intense notes, nonstop MCQ, rewrite your notes, and all comes together in final review. So how did you study? And then, and then the, finally, do you want to just keep using Becker and take your new study methodology just with Becker? Or do you want to take your new study methodology and add ninja or a Glime test bank or Wiley test bank, whatever you want to use? So those are some questions to ask. So that is literally how you pass next time going from a 58 to a 75. You need to change your study methodology. 110%. I can tell you there's something flawed in your, in your study methodology. I don't know exactly what you did, but I just, I just know that there is just from experience. Then you have to answer the question. Um, do you need to switch your review materials? Nick. Right, saying, hey, Jeff, Ninja has been critical in helping me pass FAR and audit. Used it extensively for BEC. You got a 74 on my first take. Ouch. Waiting for the retake grade tomorrow in the event I fail. Any tips in particular for take three? Yeah, so retaking a 74 is the same as retaking a 54. Got to start from scratch. What did you do to get to that 74? Many people will, will uh, cut corners. And so for BEC, yeah. Um, last time you just punted cost accounting because you hate it. And so this time you're just going to hit cost accounting really hard, jump back in there and take these. I'm, I'm just using a hypothetical. This time you're just going to jump back in there and take it after hitting cost accounting really hard. Uh, if you do that, you're going to score a 64 you're going to score worse. And because 
all of the other sections, performance measures, IT, uh, microeconomics, uh, thankfully macro, well, macroeconomics wasn't that big of a deal, but it's no longer testable. So, um, so microeconomics, you were exam ready, whenever it was a few weeks ago, you took your, took BEC and got the 74, you're not exam ready today. So you need to restudy all of those plus hit in your, in this example, cost accounting really hard and then go in and take your exam, full study schedule, um, so BEC four to seven weeks. And that's how you do it. Amy from the CPA, from the Facebook CPA exam study group. So I will, I will plug that. If you go to Facebook and type in CPA exam study group, you'll see the ninjas, hopefully, um, join us on Facebook. And, um, so yeah, Amy writes in, okay, I'm back. I failed, I failed with a 73 and a 71. I really am frustrated. I'm not sure how to get myself over the hump. I'm doing all the sections. I feel like I just want this weight off my shoulders, getting it done. So when people ask if I'm a CPA, I can finally not feel like a loser. I can say, yes, it's really just a personal goal and I want it. I'm having a hard time. I'm back to the drawing board today. Any suggestions? So I've answered this question many times just from a tactical perspective. Um, but I'm going to answer this question. So that tactical perspective is, um, you know, four to seven weeks, follow, follow the ninja study framework. Um, so but I'm attacking this time with a psychological perspective. So the question is, why do you want to be a CPA? Because you mentioned it's a personal goal of yours. It's not going to help you at work. So why do you want to see, why do you want to be a CPA? If you want to be a CPA because your grandfather has that goal for you or your father or mother, um, or it's, it's someone else's goal for you, then you're not going to study. It's like, if, if it was someone else's goal for you to run a marathon, like I hate running. That's why I played soccer. I played soccer throughout my life, 30 plus years. Um, I hate running, which is why goalkeeper worked out great for me. <laughs> I hate running. And so if someone wanted, if someone's goal for me was to run a marathon, um, not going to work real well, unless I decided that I wanted to run a marathon. And then I'm going to get my butt out of bed in the morning, then I'm going to. So I had a, I had a relative run a marathon. And so I just, I know this from just kind of following his regimen, like you just, like, you never actually fully run a marathon. And it's like three miles, five miles, 10 miles, 13 miles, maybe you get up to like 15 miles or something. Um, like, I'm not going to be out running 10, 15 miles. If it's someone else's goal to run a marathon, you get the point. If it's, why do you want to be a CPA? If it's, if it's your own personal goal. And so even if, so you said it's your, it's your own personal goal, but, but why, um, if it's, if it's just because you, you don't want to feel like the AICPA has defeated you, or it's always going to bother you just because you didn't do it, or because someone told you that you weren't smart enough to do it, or just because people just in general, just don't expect it to happen. Like they just expect you to always be a bookkeeper. Um, so like, these are all real things. And, um, I, I personally, I want to be a CPA just because 
well, started out, why did I get my accounting degree? It's because um, I want my grandfather to be proud of me. So he was an accountant. He, he would have been proud of me anyway, but I want to be, I want to be just like him. He was an accountant back in the day, CFO during the, during the, well, he went to, got his accounting degree during, during the depression. Um, I want to make him proud. Um, and so why did I want to be a CPA? Well, part of it was because I wanted him to be proud. And so like that, that's why when I had to call him and tell him I had failed, it like sucked really bad. Um, that was the worst part of it besides telling my wife. <laughs> sorry honey another four to six weeks eight weeks of you watching the kids while i study on a saturday that was probably actually worse <laughs> but um and so why did i want to be a cpa also like i had this uncle who was a cpa i wanted to prove him wrong he actually never said i couldn't pass but i just felt like he thought i couldn't so all of these things those motivated me to get up in the morning and study those motivated me to study over lunch. Those motivated me to study at night when everyone else is in bed. Those motivated me to study bonds when I wanted to do anything but that. So that's how you get over the hump. Um, I scored 73, 71, how you get back to the 75. I, you can always answer the, tech, the question tactically, but psychologically, the psychological part is actually probably even more important because before you can even get to the how do you do it, you need to answer the why. Hope that's helpful. Susan in the chat, as an example, in 16 working years, I have not completed a cash flow statement, so I'm learning that over. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I missed your first question, okay. Um, Jeff, I graduated college in 2005, I've been working full-time, but no instruction in years. I'm studying for FAR. Do you still think seven weeks is still practical? Some things I'm completely relearning. As an example, I'm working 16 years. I've not completed a cash flow statement. So I'm learning that all over. Absolutely. So your, your average CPA candidate is 29, according to NASBA. Um, and so um, 2000, well, so you're so 2005. Okay. So you are a little bit older than the average CPA candidate. Okay. Uh, that's fine because your your basic CPA review. I mean, your basic CPA review course it just kind of rehashes what they taught you um, in college, but at a high level. So you need to know everything about FAR at a high level, and some things at you know um, at a more in depth level. But you can learn cash flow statements by by what by skimming the ninja book over cash flow statements by watching one or two lectures uh ninja sparring lectures over cash flow and hammering 100 multiple choice questions over cash flow you do that like i'm not gonna say that you'll be exam ready for cash flows but you'll be i'd say pretty close and so a cpa review course is not designed to uh, teach you the information so that you can be like competent at a level to where you can like perform in industry doing that task. You know, like once you become licensed and like your name and those three little letters after your name, like there's liability attached to that. So you have to be like, um, I mean, there's 
there's what's called due professional care. You have to exercise due professional care. And it's a level of care that an average CPA would perform um, given the exact same set of circumstances. So that's what's expected of you. So if you start doing cash flow statements for people, then yeah, you're going to do a deep dive into some cash flow. You're going to be doing um, some, you're going to be doing some targeted CPE over cash flow. But for exam purposes, it's like a refresher, hammer multiple choice questions, um, you know, take notes over your multiple choice questions over that topic. And this goes for cash flows or, or any topic, any topic that you're feeling insecure about, cash flows, governmental accounting, corporate tax, like, oh, corporate tax is big and scary. No, it's not. You just need to study a little bit with your review course. So. Hope that's helpful. Dave from the CPA exam study group on Facebook. Again, go to facebook.com, search for CPA exam study group. Join us, you'll see the ninjas. Ugh, got a 74 on FAR. For those who have tried to retake FAR, did you have the same Sims again? I know where I struggled and I would focus on that topic, but I'm curious if I face the same Sims again or how randomized is it each time? So. I've got emails from people like, dude, is the AICPA trolling me? Because I got the same Sims again. They didn't tell me what Sims. I wouldn't have asked. No exam um, rules broken, but there's like from a, from a high level perspective, like is something wrong with me? I got the same Sims. And I actually just think that's a fluke. Um, I just think it's a coincidence. And um, I don't know this to be, True. So there's the caveat. <laughs> and as, as a general, <laughs> as a general rule of thumb, you shouldn't say things that you don't know for true if they're true. But my guess, if they're like, hey Jeff, what would what would be your guess on this? My guess is that the AICPA doesn't flag your unique candidate ID. Hey, we've already given him SIM number 127. Don't give him SIM number 127. My guess. If the, if the AICP is watching this, you can email me. Hey, Jeff, actually, we do flag SIM number 127. That's fine. Um, but my guess is that it's just they're random and it's just a coincidence. So the bigger question is, what are you going to do about that, about that 74 on FAR? Because if you cut corners and don't retake like you should, you're going to score 71 or 61 on FAR. So you retake and do everything that you would have had you scored or to, to get to that 74. So everything that you did to get that, to that 74, plus you hit extra areas, plus you studied a little bit differently. Um, you didn't follow the Ninja framework last time, this time you do it. Or you didn't follow the Ninja framework, but you didn't rewrite your notes, this time you do it. Or you didn't listen to the Ninja audio in my annoying voice more than once, this time you listen to it 10 times, et cetera. So that's how you, the more important question is, how do you get over that 74 threshold? Ben writes in, how would you approach partnerships when studying for FAR? It's not mentioned in the updated blueprint from the AICPA. Just wanted to check real quick. All right, so I see this question a lot. Partnerships is not in the CPA exam blueprint for FAR. However, it is still testable. And I've confirmed that with the AICPA exams team, it is still testable. Does that mean that it's likely to be heavily tested? 
no. So what I would do is I would just know the, the beginning journal entries for partnership accounting. Now, again, this is partnership accounting, not partnership tax, like is in regulations. Partnership tax, yeah, you really, you really need to know that. Partnership accounting, I would just know the basics. I would know the basics, the basic journal entries, and this is for FAR, but know the basic journal entries. And if you have the Ninja Notes, there's a section on partnership accounting. Real short, just memorize the basic journal entries, and you should be good to go. All right. Well, that does it for this edition of the Another 71 podcast. If you have a question for me, you can email me, email me, jeff at another71.com. Or you can go to another71.com, click the forum in the footer, and then go to the forum and you'll see Ask Jeff at the very bottom. You can submit a question there. Or you can go to another71.com forward slash ask hyphen Jeff. That's pretty complicated. Actually, you can just shoot me an email, Jeff at another71.com. That does it for episode number 94. Until next time, be good, everyone. Take care. And I will talk to you soon.